You are listening to Mosaic's Midweek Podcast. Through a series of personal reflections and stories, we share how the kingdom of God is breaking into our hearts and our city as it is in heaven. Thanks for listening. Hey everyone, you are listening to the Mosaic Weekly for Wednesday, March 24th. This past week, we heard some stories from folks in our community around what evangelism has looked like in their sort of respective context, whether it's at work or home or their neighborhood or whatnot. And honestly, for most of us, it's just not that difficult to begin to name lost people in our life. If we look up in our neighborhoods or where we work or the gym or wherever, we will find people who are made in the image of God who have just not given their lives over to God. That is kind of inevitable. And yet, if we're honest, it's much easier to confine ourselves to relationships with only Jesus followers. And for most of us living in the South, having a lot of friends and family and coworkers who are Christians, uh, this can be kind of a difficult topic. Because it's just true that for many of us, if we didn't want to or don't want to, we do not have to engage with lost people. We live in sort of cul-de-sac Christianity, and we have various Christian communities that we are a part of, and we never have to leave those circles. But like most everything else, there is nothing about the life of Jesus that compels us to do such a thing. I mean, Jesus was accused constantly of pursuing people who would never be allowed in the temple and who in our day wouldn't be caught dead in the church because of their immorality or their lifestyle or their habits or their, you know, just sin. And it was God who pursued them. It was Jesus who ate with them. It was Jesus, because of his association with them, was accused of being a glutton and a drunkard. It was, in fact, God who dined with sinners. And finding ourselves in the American South in the 21st century, uh, it can just be difficult to engage in the topic of Jesus at a serious level because, one, either people are convinced that they are already followers of Jesus because they know doctrinal statements, or two, they are convinced they want no part of Jesus because they have been wounded or hurt by the church in some form or fashion. Uh, And maybe there are probably other reasons, but those two are the predominant postures in this city. And so I have found a couple of counter postures to take with people when talking about Jesus and the scriptures and how they kind of get played out in our lives. And the first comes out in the conversation that we all sort of dread in our heads. It is the day that we end up getting into some type of conversation where someone brings up something theological that seems to counteract an argument that we have and we don't have the answer to it. And so we're at this crossroads. There's a moment where we decide if we're going to take the posture of a humble Jesus follower that says in response to something that has puzzled us or to a question that we are unsure of, I don't know. I don't know. It it is actually such a disarming response. I don't know the answer to that, but I'd love to investigate it with you. What a great question. I am not entirely sure, but let's look into it. 
I think there is some underlying fear that sits underneath engaging with people outside the faith as if they are going to finally unlock the questions that people haven't ever unlocked, and that will be the complete undoing of our faith. And so we'd rather not touch that, and let's just not engage in that ever. But for me, I know some of the most growing things that have happened to me personally, as well as other Jesus followers I know, uh, is non-believers asking open, honest questions that I don't have the answer to. And sometimes I don't have the answer to it because there is no real answer, or there at least, at least there is no appeasing answer. Like they want a simple reductionistic answer, and there's not one to give. And sometimes I don't have the answer to it because I haven't taken the time to invest and learn about what they're asking. Like, what is the violence about in the Old Testament? And why is the church so plagued with besetting sins? And did God actually create the world in six literal 24-hour days? And what does demon exorcism actually mean? And who actually is the Holy Spirit? And do you actually hear from him? They are such legitimate, they're necessary, they're good, they're critical, they're thoughtful questions. And if we, as people who are committed to the way of Jesus, are afraid of engaging those, and specifically engaging our friends with these questions, then we need to take those concerns to Jesus himself, who in fact is big enough to handle them. But we must be honest about our own fear of engaging those serious, critical, thoughtful questions. Because there is something freeing and, I believe, something unpressurized when you can say with confidence and security, like, goodness, what a great thought. I have absolutely no idea. I personally, again, have found the honesty is somewhat refreshing to people who don't follow Jesus. But, you know, I think there's actually another response that is even more potent and powerful, and that is the moment when someone who feels doubt or pain or heartache, or perhaps the church hasn't been a safe space for them, or maybe they've had difficult experiences in a church, one of the most helpful moments is the tender response of me too. Me too. Even more than the I don't know response, because we have moved out of the physical conversation and even out of the mental conversation and mental space and even social conversation and we have moved into the emotional space and we are moving into the spiritual component of the conversation we are moving into a space where there is pain and there are questions and there is hurt and there is difficulty it is a moment of shared humanity where we can identify with another on really hard and difficult things that have happened to us And as followers of Jesus, we should be the people with both deep convictions and deep compassion. Like we are people convinced that there actually is truth in the world and we are going to chase after it. And we need to be humbled and corrected and forgiven when we've been wrong. And we are convinced that truth and empathy are not competing forces. They are just not opposites. They go hand in hand. And it is precisely because of the truth that we hold to, that we grow in our empathy. And most people that I'm friends with, and I know that I know are not followers of Jesus, are not actually looking to debate apologetics. But they are looking for someone who will listen to them 
as they share their experience with God and his church and listening first and earning the right to be heard and being the one who is curious and who asks questions and who desires to learn more about the person, that will gain you a hearing. I mean, God pursued us. God was after us. God wooed us by his love and depicted on a wooden cross for us. We were won over by God's love, not necessarily by God's argument. And I think that is how we will win our friends. And then there's a third posture, and that posture is helping to show people through the scriptures, through church history, through your own life even, that the Jesus that they have believed in may not be the Jesus who has come down to live with us. There are many, many, many counterfeit gods among us that masquerade as a type of Christianity. And those masquerades have run a lot of people off from the church, whether it's a Jesus that looks like a political party or a Jesus who looks like the American nuclear family or the Jesus who looks like the one part of the city and not another or whatever it is. Those are the type of gods that will ostracize and run people off. And so for us, we get the joy and honestly the opportunity to paint a picture of the whole Jesus, the whole gospel for our whole lives. A God that cares about sin, all types of sin, but a God who does not desire for any to perish. A God who is tender and compassionate to those who open themselves to him. And a God who will meet their deepest pain and transform their inner being. Uh, This is a God who is in fact stranger than fiction. So just take a moment and think about the one person who you know or a person who you know in your life that doesn't follow Jesus for whatever reason. And in this moment, just lift a prayer to God for them. They are made in his image and by their very nature of being human, reflect something about him. And yet they do not know him. They do not follow him. They do not love him. And so just take 20 20 seconds, 20, 30 seconds to echo the prayer of Paul in Romans 9, where he says, I wish that I was cut off so that they may know who this Jesus is. May we be bold and kind and gracious and truthful and a people who listen and a people who love by his power, grace and peace.